0: Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps Season 2, where we are recapping all episodes of The Golden Girls. Today, we are on Season 1, Episode 24, Big Daddy. This episode originally aired on May 3rd of 1986, so what other interesting historical events took place? On May 3rd. Well, uh, in 1374 BCE, a solar eclipse lasting around two minutes and seven seconds was seen at Ugarit by Mesopotamian astronomers. From texts of the time, quote, on the day of the new moon in the month of Hayar, the sun was put to shame and went down in the daytime with Mars in attendance. Okay. In 1791, the Constitution of May the 3rd, which is the first modern constitution in Europe, is proclaimed by the Sejm of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. In 1841, New Zealand is proclaimed a colony independent of New South Wales. In 1845, the first black lawyer, Macon B. Allen, Is admitted to the bar in Massachusetts. In 1886, M. A. McLean is elected the first mayor of Vancouver, British Columbia. In 1921, West Virginia imposes the first state sales tax in the United States. In 1947, Japan's post-war, World War II, constitution goes into effect, granting universal suffrage stripping Emperor Hirohito of all power and outlawing Japan's ability to declare war. In 1948, the first broadcast of the CBS Evening News occurs. In 1965, the first use of satellite television for the Today Show on Early Bird Satellite uh, occurs. In 1971, NPR begins programming. Also 1971... The Nixon administration arrests 13,000 anti-war protesters in a span of three days. In 1978, the first spam email is sent by Digital Equipment Corporation to every ARPANET address on the United States' west coast. In 2001, the United States loses its seat on the United Nations Human Rights Commission for the first time in the Commission's history, which was formed in 1947. And our most recent event on May 3rd of 2018, this was the only thing for that day, so um, Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan becomes the NFL's first $30 million per season player after agreeing to a $150 million contract extension. That was the only event on the day, so that's why it's the one that's on here. Okay. Uh, So that's the history of May 3rd. So what happens in this riveting installment
1: of the golden girls this plot for big daddy yes we begin this episode in the kitchen Yes, we see sophia she's opening the refrigerator door she gets out a carton of some kind of juice and pours a little into a glass dorothy comes in from the living room and sophia asks her to taste it dorothy tastes it and says oh my god it is awful Sophia explains it has expired. She just wanted to check to see if it was good or not. Yeah, that's the way to do it, have someone else test. Sophia looks tired to Dorothy. Apparently, Rose kept her up all night. Apparently, there was a storm. And at three o'clock in the morning, Rose knocked on Sophia's door. Rose pleaded to get in bed with Sophia, just like Dorothy's father did before they were married. Sophia told him that he was not getting anything until you put a ring on her finger and a donkey in Sophia's father's barn. Wow, Sophia told Rose to get out of her room and that's the end of that scene. We move to the living room. Rose enters from the bedroom hallway and she wants to explain about last night. Rose starts to explain. Sophia says she doesn't care. Blanche enters from the bedroom hallway and exclaims that her father is coming. Big Daddy's coming. Woohoo! She is so excited. Dorothy can't believe that someone calls her father Big Daddy. Blanche says that back home everybody calls him Big Daddy. He is well respected in the county. Twin Oaks was the name of their house. People in the county would drive up to that house to get his advice on stuff. The men would discuss stuff on the veranda while the ladies would retire to the shade of an old magnolia tree to sip mint juleps and exchange prize-winning pecan pie recipes. Dorothy wanted to know that if during any of this would the farm hand suddenly break into a course of them old cotton fields back home. Ah, uh, Blanche says she may be exaggerating just a touch, but not about Big Daddy. More small talk, then Blanche gets up to leave because she has to go get some stuff before Big Daddy gets there. His favorite food, his favorite brandy, favorite cigars, etc. Blanche wants Big Daddy to feel right at home. Sophia then replies, then get the Millers across the street to tar and feather their lawn jockey. Oh boy, Rose is going out to the lanai as the air's always so nice and fresh after a storm. Sophia asks Rose to pull some weeds while she is out there. Uh, Dorothy thought Sophia was going to pull the weeds and Sophia replies that she said she'd get it done and it's getting done, so lighten up, lady. Uh, Rose is left for a second or two and rushes back in, wanting Dorothy and Sophia to come out to the lanai quickly. Oh my gosh, what could be wrong? We get out to the lanai and see a palm tree has fallen into the lanai and has made a mess of things. Their neighbor, Mr. Barton, enters from an arched doorway. I'm not sure I've ever seen that doorway there before. But he says he didn't have any damage to his place. (laughs) They have a discussion on whose tree it is and whose responsibility it is. Mrs. Barton arrives and says that their tree fell into the girl's yard. Sophia says that doesn't, Mr. Barton will have that tree hauled away, capiche? He replies that you Italians have some temper. Uh, this really does does it, and Sophia throws a curse his way. It was the Sicilian eye. He won't have a moment's peace until he hauls that tree away. The Bartons leave, Sophia explains she used the curse before. Colt's Jets, 1969, Super Bowl three. Now we're back in the living room, Dorothy says she went to the courthouse and got a property map. The tree is definitely owned by the Bartons, and it is their responsibility to remove it. Sophia thinks about putting the evil eye curse on Dorothy, but thinks better of it. Uh, Blanche enters from the bedroom hallway in a stunning outfit, asking the girls how does she look. Sophia says she looks like the night hostess at Denny's. Uh, My apologies, but no way does she look like a night hostess at Denny's. Blanche says it is exactly like the dress she wore to her sweet 16. It was always Big Daddy's favorite. The doorbell rings, and Blanche gives the girl some last second advice before answering. Her father is an old time southern aristocrat who is used to fine manners and gentility. Uh, yeah, she's setting us up here, isn't she? So please, please, please be on your best behavior. And they all look at Sophia. But when the door is opened, it is their neighbor, Mr. Barton. And he wants to know, where is the old lady? Apparently his car had a flat tire and he thinks Sophia let the air out of the tire. They discuss the tire some more and he tells them to sue him because he isn't paying to remove the tree. He leaves and Dorothy goes off in the house. She really goes off in the house for a second or two. Then the doorbell rings and she is still going off and answers the door thinking it will be Mr. Barton again. But of course, it is Big Daddy this time. Big Daddy says that back home, most people start off with how do. He hugs Blanche and gives us a description. Looking at her takes his breath away. Hair as shiny as the dew on a field of sunflowers. Eyes that sparkle bluer than the Mississippi and the prettiest smile on either side of the Mason-Dixon line. He introduces himself to Sophia and says that he has always felt that the stunning classical beauty of an Italian woman should be admired like a fine work of art. Sophia thinks for a second or two and answers, boy, you need boots to listen to this guy. (laughs) All right, that's Sophia for you. Then comes Rose. She is the spitting image of Miss Dinah Shore. Then comes Dorothy who apologizes for answering the door the way she did. And he tells her not not to fret none. Not to fret none. Okay. She isn't quite sure what that is. He can't stay as he has some business to take care of. Some small talk before he goes that includes fiddle-dee-dee. And Rose says it is so much fun. It is like being in Gone with the Wind. Big Daddy has a surprise that he was going to give to Blanche later. But what the heck? Yes, the surprise is he is singing at the sagebrush club tomorrow night. Blanche is shocked. She can't believe he is a singer, and Rose can't believe they have free tickets to his show. Big Daddy leaves to check on the club. There's some small talk about him becoming a singer. Blanche exits and goes to the end of the bedroom hallway. Next, we see a dark living room, and then Big Daddy comes through the front door, He has a guitar with him, turns on the lights, and we see Blanche on the couch. She wants to talk to him. He wants to sing her a song. We get some small talk between the two and learn that he is just starting, so he has a lot to learn. He starts singing his new song and it does need a little bit of work. Uh, So then he does the chorus. Uh, That one isn't too bad. Blanche tells him he is no singer and he says he isn't Hank Williams yet. More discussion. Blanche still thinks it is crazy. She wants him to forget this nonsense and go back to Twin Oaks. We learn he sold the house. Blanche goes crazy about this foolishness. Behind Blanche, we see Rose come into the bedroom hallway from the last door on the left. We see Dorothy come into the bedroom hallway from the last door on the right. Big Daddy leaves. The scene continues with the girls in the living room discussing Big Daddy and singing. Blanche thinks he needs help. The girls go into the kitchen and continue discussing parents, etc. Rose talks about her father and says when she pictures him, he is pulling a giant tuna up Main Street. It wasn't a real tuna, it was made of chrysanthemums. It was the float in the Father's Day parade. Rose's hometown was founded by Henrik von Andradonen, the first man to ever can tuna in his own natural juices. Uh, More about that parade, it was the 50th year celebration of the town, and he was the only one small enough to fit into the mayonnaise jar costume. Uh, There's more on the parade. Blanche thinks she will now have to take care of Big Daddy. Uh, The girls are going to hear Big Daddy sing, but Sophia is not going. Doorbell rings, and it is their neighbors, the Bartons. He wants to see the witch. Apparently, he has a boil on his butt. He wants Sophia to take off the curse. His golf clubs are missing. The clocks are all wrong. He can't sleep, he can't eat, he can't sit. Uh, He agrees to get rid of the tree tomorrow and Sophia takes off the curse. He leaves, but his wife stays behind. She was the one that was doing all those things to him, except the boil on his butt. That was just plain luck. At the honky-tonk, the girls enter and appear to be overdressed in my mind. All the guys are cowboys because they are wearing cowboy hats. They drink wine spritzers and drive Volvos. Blanche has been here before. We can tell by all the people greeting her. There is a mechanical bull in the back room. We do get a reference to Hollingsworth here. We learn that after the first show, the management canceled the second show. Uh, He must not have been too good. Blanche goes to find him Backstage, Dorothy and Rose get introduced to Rusty. Dorothy gets rid of him real quick. Uh, Backstage, Blanche enters the room where we see Big Daddy. They talk. Apparently, he tried a beetle medley. They talk some more, he never got to do things he wanted to do because he met a lady by the name of Elizabeth Ann Bennett. That was Blanche's mother and she swept him off his feet. He explains about a tramp steamer and his dreams. They have reconciled now, and the episode ends as they both are singing the chorus to his new song. What an ending.
0: Well, uh, we have a few cultural references. Uh, them old Cotton Fields Back Home, which is actually just a song called Cotton Fields, uh, written by Huddy Ledbetter or as most of us will know him, Lead Belly, uh, who first recorded the song in 1940. Um, it was mostly introduced into the canon of folk music via its inclusion on the 1954 album Odetta and Larry, uh, which comprised performances by Odetta at the Tin Angel Nightclub in San Francisco. And this version was entitled Old Cotton Fields at Home. Uh, It was later covered by the Beach Boys uh, when Al Jardine was their uh, singer for that brief second. Um, uh, And that is essentially the song. Uh, It's also been covered by, like Johnny Cash covered it. Uh, The Highway, the original Highwaymen, not the later country supergroup one, the 60s folk uh, Highwaymen. Uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival recorded a cover of it, which hit number one in Mexico. Uh, Elvis recovered, covered it, uh, in one of his movies. Uh, that's the way it is. Uh, as well, that's a documentary, I guess. Okay. Um, the Pogues cover it as well, which is a interesting version, um, of the song. Uh, so that is Them old cotton fields back home uh, Sophia I think brings up Baltimore Colts New York Jets 1969 69. Yes she does Which I had to look up um, So that was a football game
1: Super Bowl 3
0: That was apparently Super Bowl 3 Yes uh, Which was also apparently the first to Officially bear the name Super Bowl as well uh, Was played and on January twelfth, nineteen sixty nine, uh, is regarded as one of the greatest upsets in American football history, and the recorded history of sports. Yes. Really? Yes. Colts were heavily favored. Only a two-loss difference. What? Okay. I don't know. There's only a two-game difference in their record, so I don't know how that was the case, but okay,
1: whatever. Colts were heavily favored.
0: Okay. Um, Denny's is a um, restaurant uh, in the United States that also operates in some other countries, um, like Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Mexico, uh, Dominican Republic, Guatemala, Japan, Honduras, New Zealand, Qatar, the Philippines, the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, and the United Kingdom. Uh, it's a um, it's a breakfast place, I believe. Right? Well, they serve all things, I guess. They're
1: open twenty four hours. Yes. Oh, okay.
0: They serve all meals. I see. Okay. Um, the Mason Dixon Line uh, is a um, so it is. Uh, Okay, so the Mason-Dixon line was a line that was drawn between 1763 and 1767 uh, to resolve a border dispute involving the territories of Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Delaware and is still a demarcation line uh, which forms part of the borders of Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, and West Virginia uh, and later became known as the border between the North and the South uh, and also marked the northern limit of legalized slavery in the United States as well. Uh, Dinah Shore, who was a singer, actress, and TV personality the top-charting female vocalist of the 40s, as well, apparently, Uh, and was also a hostess of a series of variety programs sponsored by Chevrolet. Uh, So that is her. Uh, Gone with the Wind, I think we've discussed before. Uh, Hank Williams, I wasn't sure which one he meant. I assumed the good one and not Junior or definitely not Three, no. Uh so I assumed he meant senior, the good one. It would
1: be Hank Williams Senior. That's yes. what I
0: assumed. Yes. Um so he was the only good one of the three Hank Williams. Uh was a singer, songwriter, and musician. Uh he recorded thirty five singles that hit the top ten on the country charts, including eleven number one hits, none relatively successful in the hot one hundred. Um and he was a very popular and very good country singer, uh and uh, was covered by every artist known to mankind pretty much. Yes. Uh. So. He died too young. Sure. Um. Yes. I tried to figure out the first man to can tuna, uh, but I couldn't find anything about that. <laughs> okay. Other than just clips of that moment on YouTube, that was all I could find. I couldn't find any about who actually that person was or anything, so I couldn't find anything. Um, And Volvos are a a Swedish luxury vehicle company. Uh, So there's some cars. Uh, They bring up Stagecoach, the movie. Uh, Now, they don't really address it, but uh, a poster for it's hanging backstage at the Cowboy Bar. Now, Stagecoach uh, is a 1939 western directed by John Ford uh, and is an adaption of The Stage to Lordsburg, which is a 1937 short story. And it follows a group of strangers riding a stagecoach through Apache territory. Uh, so that's essentially it. It was remade at some point a few times, uh, was remade in 1966 with um, Bing Crosby uh, for some reason. It was also adapted into a television show starring Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash, or a television movie, I would assume. Uh, it was also adapted three times into a radio play, uh, all in the 40s. May of 46, December of 46, and January of 49, Uh, And is one of the few films on Rotten Tomatoes to hold a 100% rating. Oh, okay. Which simply means that it has been reviewed by at least five critics, all who said, yes, this is not bad, is what that technically means. Okay. Um, I have one fashion note. Uh, Blanche is wearing a dress with a transparent hat. Uh, That combo is an insane look. It is just bizarre and absurd, this look she goes for with that. Especially the transparent hat. Like That is just... That was her Sweet 16 look. Yeah. Yes. Uh, We have a few side characters. Leonard Barton, uh, the neighbor man, uh, who is played by Gordon Jump. Uh, who is most known for his roles on television shows WKRP in Cincinnati, uh, Soap, and Growing Pains. He's also in uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes as well. Uh, that's one of the sequels from the 70s. Uh, so that's him. Uh, Gladys Barton is played by Peggy Pope uh most known for her appearances in films such as choke the last starfighter the substitute and 9 to 5 uh so that is her uh big daddy is played by murray hamilton uh who Uh, we'll get into this more next season, but, um, so Murray Hamilton here, this episode aired in May, May 3rd. Uh, so he died about four months after this episode aired. Uh, so we'll address that next season when Big Daddy returns, played by a different, and I would argue much better actor. Um, so Murray Hamilton, (laughs) um, he's in Jaws as the, the mayor, you know, he's, he's the villain of the movie, the mayor. Yes. Uh, he's in The Graduate, he plays Mr. Robinson, uh, he's in uh, Hitchcock's Anatomy of a Murder, he's in 1941, uh, he was in a lot of good films, a uh, rather popular character actor throughout the 60s and 70s, uh, and of course he made an appearance here in this episode as Big Daddy. Gary Grubbs. Plays the waiter at the Cowboy Bar, uh, the guy when they first walk in. Um, he is most known for his roles in television, or no, I think that's the movie. Yeah, in the X-Files movie, uh, The Astronaut's Wife, in the film that I still can't explain why it was made, Battleship. Uh, and he's also in Oliver Stone's JFK movie. Uh, he's been in a lot of movies. He doesn't really do TV too much. I'm trying to see uh, what his biggest TV role would be, other than this. Uh, he was in Tremé for four episodes. Uh, other than that, that's probably uh, six episodes of The OC. Okay. He was an angel for four episodes. Oh, that's where I know him from. He's uh he plays Harlan and on Will and Grace. That's where I know him from. Okay, uh, I knew I knew that voice from somewhere. That's right, Harlan on Will and Grace, who is, uh, essentially he plays essentially Big Daddy minus the slave stuff, uh, on Will and Grace. Um, <clears throat> and then Rusty uh, is played by Blake Emmons. Uh, who has three acting credits. Um, This one as Cowboy Number uh, 2, which is also Rusty. Uh, He appears on one episode of a television show called Nashville 99 as Sheriff Beam, and then an episode of Funny Farm as Host. Wow, big acting credits. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, He also appears on the soundtrack to An Old Time Country Christmas, which is a television movie from 1969 as a performer of the songs I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Uh, He also plays himself four times in that uh, Christmas movie. Uh, Two appearances on The Alan Hamill Show in the 70s, He appears on the Mike Douglas show as a fishing expert, and was the sub-host on Chain Reaction, which I'm guessing is a game show? Yes. Okay, so he was the sub-host on that for a year, Hmm. it appears. Wow. Uh, So that is Rusty. Uh, No new sex partners, as far as I could tell in this episode. So our tallies stand, Blanche 9, Dorothy 4, Rose 4, Sophia 1. We have a few new continuity notes. Blanche's father wants to be a country singer, is also known as Big Daddy. Uh, They have next-door neighbors, the Bartons, who, as far as I recall, are never addressed again.
1: Never. (laughs) Um,
0: Blanche's childhood home, Twin Oaks, has been sold. This will come up later. In a in a at least past season two episode, this will come back. I do have a few um, additional notes. Firstly, uh, Sophia's tar and feather joke. No, N-n-n-no. no, 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 no. Every time Blanche referred to her father as Big Daddy, it was deeply unsettling. Now maybe, you know, I could only really I I could only remember like two things about it. The the characters from BioShock that are the big daddies. So I was thinking about these giant sentient robots with giant drill arms that, you know, yeah, uh, you know, okay. I could explain a lot more about that, but this isn't the video gaming podcast. Um and then the George Carlin bit about men who call their fathers daddy and how uh, those men need to be killed. Uh so uh, that was really all I could re- think about throughout most of this episode with uh, Big Daddy. Uh, now, I'm also no no expert on the matter, but I thought Blanche's father was pretty good. Uh, his guitar playing needs some work, uh, but I thought he wrote, a, I thought he had a pretty good country song there. Uh, now, is it one that would be popular? No, it wasn't about drinking or, uh, well, what are modern country songs about? Um, well, the same things rap songs are about, just without the swearing, so they're okay for white people to listen to. That's essentially country music now, but or popular country music now. Uh, but he had a. De- I thought he was a decent country writer. That one, that one song. And again, not an expert on this topic, but a cowboy bar in Miami. Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I did look that up on Google. I just looked, I think, Cowboy Bars in Miami or something like
0: that. Oh, okay. And currently, there's quite a few. I mean, I I could understand, you know, a
1: leather bar, which is a Uh, very different thing, but... But uh, mine, yeah, they just play country music in the bars, which Mm -hmm. country music right now is pretty popular, I believe. So it's not surprising that a lot of bars play country music, so... Uh, Yeah It's not probably as far-fetched as You might think, I guess Okay Like a cowboy bar maybe in Maine Or northern Mm -hmm. Canada Maybe more weird I don't know Well, Anyway, I thought Big Daddy was pretty decent on his song But uh, we didn't hear much of it We didn't hear much (laughs) So the chorus I thought was pretty good but yeah, the rest, his guitar playing leaves a lot to be desired. But, uh, um, in since I worked for insurance for a long time, mm-hmm. now I honestly don't know this is '86 yeah. aired. I don't think insurance has changed, uh, but currently, and in, in the last 20 or 30 years, roughly, so it shouldn't change since '86. But uh, the girls would have been responsible for removing the tree due to insurance. Um, That's the way insurance works. Uh, When a tree lands on, falls onto your property, and even if the tree is, you know, half of it's on the neighbor's yard and half it, you're, you're responsible for what has fallen on your yard. So the neighbor would be responsible for any part that fell on his yard. Uh, that's
0: pretty stupid
1: well the insurance would pay for it but of course they would pay after the girls paid their deductible part which um, for this tree probably would not have covered the deductible so they would have paid for it all Um, yes in the kitchen we had the large island again Uh, in one scene there's this round thing on the table that I looked at, and I looked at, like, what the heck is this, it's a round thing that looked like a pizza, and I was thinking, what the, it's never been, I've never seen this before, but then later in the episode, Rose brings over this hot tea kettle, and puts it on there, and it's like, ah, so they're, they're gonna use this hot tea, so they needed something to, so they came up with this thing, It looked like a pizza. Well, it
0: could be that. It could be, I don't know what they're technically called, but like the spinny dish thing that you see at like catered
1: events usually. Maybe it was one of those. I think it was like a hot, you put hot plates on this thing apparently, but I've never seen it before. (laughs) It shows up right when they need it apparently. Well, anyway, in this episode, we did get our first St. Olaf story. And we did get another Sicily-Italian reference in this episode. So we are now up to one St. Olaf story, because that was our first, and nine Sicily-Italian references. And for me, this um, I thought this was a pretty good episode. Funny, uh, I like Gordon Jump. I liked him in WKRP in Cincinnati. Uh, So I gave this episode an 84 out of 100.
0: Well, that will do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye.